Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. All right, let's get moving here for a Tuesday afternoon. It's gloomy. It's kind of cold in St. Louis. We are pushed up against the Thanksgiving holiday. Nobody wants to be at work except for Fred. Fred loves to work, so he's here. He's going to work. It's <laughs> my last day in a while. <laughs> yeah, because you're you're off tomorrow, so he gets to take uh, off out of here. I think Abby and Sue and I are all here tomorrow, and then we have best of shows on uh, Wednesday. I'm sorry, Thursday and Friday. <laughs> Losing track of the days. Who knows, right? Suzanne, but her mic's down. Here we go. Hi. At least I prepared for the show today. <laughs> and we do have a bunch of stuff to get to here this afternoon, including Brian Kilmeade in the next hour. Jean Evans is coming up. Yesterday I talked about this pandemic learning loss. We're going to get with her. She's the head of the Missouri Federation for Children. Ian Scher, our CBS News tech expert, is here. This whole open AI thing is a little confusing. So we're going to get into that with Sam Altman out and some other stuff related to tech as we move along. Now, the Cardinals have made some changes today, Fred. you see this? I did. My favorite tweet of the day was the Cardinals now have four number fours because Lance Lynn is coming back. We knew that, I think, yesterday. Kyle Gibson, who was a Mizzou player, and I think he lives here in the St. Louis area in the offseason. He's local. He also allowed um, an American League high of 198 hits last year, so we got that going for us. But there there seems to be an indication that they're going, Fred, do you know anything about this Japanese pitcher? Well, yeah, and I think he was really good buddies with Lars Nupar. Right, right. And both of their moms are good friends, too. So, you know, look, I think I, I would say to Cardinals fans, this is all part of the process, and they realize that pitching is a necessity. They're picking up some arms that might be a little bit more tired than the ones that we're looking for. Uh, but we're going to have to wait and see if they can pull off some you know, some bigger deals here. And we'll certainly keep you posted on that. Uh, one of the stories that I saw, I didn't see this till this morning, and some people were retweeting it. Andy Banker, who's with Fox 2, was doing a, um, a report yesterday, and he tweeted this out. Uh, only on Fox 2 now at 9, a frightening video. We come under fire today. It turns out to be from Pelicans. And the video shows Andy with a cameraman standing in a street doing a report, and someone drives by and just starts... You know, yeah. firing at him, yeah. and at that point, I don't think he realizes what it is. But he's on the line with us this afternoon, Andy Banker. How are you? First and foremost, I hope you're all right, and I'm glad you're all right. But that had to be a little harrowing, to say the least, right? Yes, sir, Mark. Everything's good. How are you? I'm all right. You know, getting ready for the holiday and everything. So, what? Where were you yeah, yesterday when, when this happened? Where Where was it? So, we're on Spring Avenue near Chippewa, and we we're down there doing another report that really had nothing to do with anything. That report hasn't. Uh, hit the air yet, so I'm not going to talk in depth about what we were doing, but it wasn't anything that you would think would draw any sort of uh, 
fire or any sort of response. So I don't think what happened had anything to do with what we were doing down there. And at the time, I was just leaving. Uh, I was sending an email, a voice text email. My photographer was checking the battery in his microphone. And then from behind me, this blue Honda pulls up. And the next thing I hear is this clicking. And I, I think when you see the video I posted, it almost sounds worse. Uh, it was a neighborhood surveillance camera caught it. To my naked ear, it didn't sound that bad. But then something hit me in the head, and I saw these two. They they looked like toy weapons of some kind, guns, like toy machine guns or something. Uh, and they were bright colors, not dark right. or intimidating in any way. And I, it just took me a second. Of course, in my head now, it all plays out in slow motion. But I was like, what is going on? I yelled at the people in the car um but i felt something hit me in the side of my head near my ear and uh it hurt quite a bit and then when they drove away then i really felt it you right. know <laughs> I, I bent over and checked to see if i was bleeding i didn't know what happened um and at that point i didn't know anyone had captured video of it and i was even not sure i was going to call police because a year and a half or so ago, I don't know if you caught this in the news, but there was some stupid TikTok challenge where people were driving around videotape or videoing yes, on their phone. we talked about it at the time. Yeah, yeah when they're, when, and they're shooting people. And one of the guys who got hit was a state rep in South City, Steve Butts. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Steve's on the show regularly. We did talk about that at yeah. the time. Yeah. And I, I interviewed him again today because we're following up on this. And um, I pretty quickly sort of put this together and I called a cop friend before I called 911. I said, Hey, are you guys getting a lot of this? Is this nothing anymore? Should I even call it in? So, I mean, that gives you the uh, idea of how hurt I was. I mean, people saw this video and I think they thought I had to be hospitalized or something or that I was really uh, knocked down. But then when I saw the video, I think I misjudged what happened. You know, maybe I should be a little more concerned than I initially was. And my police friend who I called first said, absolutely call this in. He goes, this is a felony assault. Yeah. He goes, mm. did it hurt? I said, yeah, it hurts like, you know. Right. Like you wouldn't believe. And he's like, yes, call. And uh, when the police responded and we were taking a, the report, that's when we, we became aware of the video. And after seeing it, I was like, Wow. I this would say the, the good scary. news on the video, it seems like you might be able to get a license plate from that video. Do you know? Yes. Uh, well, um, they do have a plate number. Okay. Um, I don't want to go into detail. These guys drove around again, not not coming back at us, but about an hour later, they passed back through the neighborhood, and I heard them shooting again. Jeez. Um, and they weren't shooting at me that time. They were just shooting out the other side of the car. I was standing on the... Uh, driver's side of the car they, they were shooting from the passenger side um so and at that point they were going westbound on chippewa and a a plate was captured and they've made an arrest there's oh, some breaking oh, news for you the, okay, the driver's been uh the driver's been apprehended andy it sued was the was Hi, your, Sue. how are you Hey, was your photographer hit or was it just you? In the video, I couldn't tell whether he got hit too or whether he was just ducking when he heard the noise. No, yeah, he did he didn't get struck. And um you know, that's one thing 
you're a team out there when you're right. doing this stuff, and you don't think that this is going to happen, especially what we were doing, where we were standing. There was no expectation of this whatsoever. Um, so I was concerned about him, and that's the, the biggest takeaway I've had in thinking about it, and really it was pretty immediate. I was like, what if, and I think Brian and I, Brian Ledford, the photographer, spoke about it uh, right away. What if we were police, you know, and we had guns at the ready, and you hear this rapid fire clicking whatever it was behind you, and you turn and look, and you get struck in the side of your head, and you see these weapons, whatever kind they are, pointing out of the car, wouldn't your first instinct be to return fire yeah you light yeah. Them, you, and, you would light them up yeah. that, that that's what right. would happen that's what, right that's what steve butt said one or sooner or later they're going to shoot the wrong person or shoot at the wrong person and someone who actually has a a real firearm and then we're going to have a real tragedy on our hand and on our hands and i'm like yeah i can see that and i it totally just in talking to the officers who responded and all the police I know, it really gives you an idea of what they're up against because it's not pellet guns that people are shooting at them most of the time. Right. And in an instant, you're supposed to try and figure this out and figure out the appropriate response when the instinctual response would be me to protect myself right. and my photographer and my friend uh, to use the gun that I had on me, which I don't carry a gun. And I never would it work anyway, but... You know, no, but I understand what you you're saying. The point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, frightening, absolutely. and I gotta. I I feel bad about this because, like I said, I wasn't even sure I was going to call call police, and I wasn't even sure we were going to report on it. But then when we saw the video, you know, the my station management was like, "Yeah, we got to run this," and I said, "Yeah, I think so." And all the other photographers in the building were like. This is a story that we need to do this. Well, it is a story. Yeah. We can't let I this go. Yeah, I, I think, and, but the video does make an impression. I mean, when we were talking here a few minutes ago, when you were first sharing the story, I, I was watching that because it's kind of looped and it's daunting for people who haven't seen it. You can follow uh, Andy. Give your um, your Twitter handle out so people can fo- find you. At Andy Banker TV, and I'm at. Mark Reardon, KFTK, and I've retweeted this, and I even just put out the report that someone's in custody, which is good news. Well, listen, first and foremost, I'm glad you're okay. I mean, obviously, that had to be a little scary, and if you see the video, you'll know exactly what he's talking about. Keep us posted, and, uh, you know, hopefully if this is something that's now being reinvigorated from a, you know, I don't know if it was TikTok that set that thing in motion or whatever when these kids were doing it a couple years ago. Let's hope that it stops. Yeah. I don't know if that's what this was. I mean, part of me thinks so. They're practicing a drive-by shooting scenario. You know, who knows? It was. It looks scarier when you go watch that video. And my one regret is that I didn't. I have grown sons, 21 and 22, who don't live at home, and they saw the posts before they heard from me, and they were pretty worried and stunned. And I, I went back to that feeling of man, what must it be like for the son of a police officer? Mm. You know, whose mom or dad does this every day in and day out. Yeah. Mark, I got I got one thing. I you know I'm I'm charging you a fee for appearing on your show today. Fair enough. A humble brag, a Bruce Springsteen humble brag. I thought you should know this because I don't think I ever told you this, but I went to see him in Cleveland on this last tour, and the only people in front of me were Nils Lofgren, Bruce Springsteen. And the rest of the band. 
I had my belly to the stage, brother. How about That's that? That's pretty awesome. Well, I've over the course of my career, I've done that a few times. I've been lucky enough to be. I sat first row in Milwaukee, first row center in the early 2000s, thanks to a friend of mine. Oh, man. And I've been in that proverbial pit many times, but that's fun. I mean, and you know, that gives you a completely different perspective on that rock and roll energy, doesn't it? Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. We got to hit a show. I'm still hearing that they're they're coming here in the spring. They have not announced any domestic dates, but the uh, the peeps here in St. Louis say that there's a date on hold for uh, one of the arenas and one of the venues. So we'll we'll have to keep an eye on. Are that. you serious? Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. But again, the things, oh things could change because they haven't announced any other domestic dates. Only the European right. dates for next summer. So we we shall see. Uh, but dude, they thank you us. so much for coming on. We'll we'll talk Springsteen hey, again in the future, Andy Baker. Thank you for sure. All right, yeah. Fox Two News reporter Andy Baker, and the video is just terrible. I mean, uh, he's lucky. We're out of lucky. I can't believe what he said about his kids too, just because you can well, see yeah. how they would have that reaction. Well, especially a guy in the news who covers that every right. day. Yeah. It's, okay. Yeah. Well, that's uh, could have been worse, I guess, is what we're going to say here. We'll take a break. Gene Evans is going to join us in the studio here coming up. She's the executive, or I'm sorry, the head of the Missouri Federation for Children, former executive director of the GOP. I talked about this story in the New York Times from the weekend about the pandemic learning loss. We're going to expand on that coming up next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, week from Friday, Kilmeade coming in town. He's going to join us after Sue's News this afternoon for our weekly conversation. There are only a handful of tickets remaining for the event. We're over 300 right now. I think the capacity is um, right around 330. 971talk.com slash events. If you'd like to get in on that, don't don't wait because they're going to be sold out. Certainly, well, maybe, maybe by tomorrow, actually, by the end of the week. For sure. Uh, Ian Sher is coming up. I, I have some questions. I really haven't gotten into the Sam Altman open AI thing, and I don't really understand I it I don't all. either. Okay, I'm, good. I'm glad to listen to what he said. Right. That's why I went to Fred yesterday. I said, we need Ian, because I, I, I don't understand any of this, and it's really confusing to me. So he'll set us straight. Sue's news in the next hour. You know, when I mentioned the Cardinals news earlier, I forgot something. The Cardinals did sign Lance Lynn. We found that out yesterday. Kyle Gibson, who went to Mizzou, he was with the, uh, the Orioles. And Mike Schilt got a new job today. Did you know that? I, uh, not only when I saw the show sheet. Yeah, so he is the new manager of the San Diego Padres. Uh, the Padres um, lost their manager to the Giants, and Mike Schilt is back managing in the major leagues. So I thought that that was interesting. Good for him. I mean, we didn't yes. have – we were all Seems surprised. Like a nice guy. Certainly he was a fantastic guy. I got to know him a little bit, so we're happy that he's back managing in the majors. Gene Evans is here in studio with us. She is a veteran of the program, a regular on the Reardon Roundtable, former executive director of the Missouri GOP, but right now the head of the Missouri Federation for Children. How are you, Gene? I'm – 
I'm fantastic. Didn't Thank have the right you. mic on there. <laughs> Thank you. She's also, and I did get permission to <clears throat> to share this, but you're also in the last 24 hours a new grandma, right? I, I absolutely am. Gigi, he's for the first time. Gigi. For the first time, yes. That so is my so exciting. Daughter and son-in-law had a baby uh, delivered last night. Thank shout out to Missouri Baptist. Did a wonderful job. So Dane Arthur Rolfing. Seven pounds, fourteen ounces. I and love that name, Dane Arthur. It's adorable. He is a uh, he, he's you know, perfect, and obviously the most beautiful baby ever born. Duh, of and, course. And brilliant, and smart, and advanced, and all those yes. other things. <laughs> we already know that. Well, you're gonna have a great Thanksgiving. That that's uh, exciting. You you brought you made your daughter one time. This is back when I was on Camwex. She dragged her poor daughter in here, the one who just gave birth, and made her suffer through a reared and round table. The she poor loved kid. it. Yeah, she not, did, and she she we um. She sort of bonded with Jane, too. Jane has a uh, daughter who's a little bit younger than mine. Yeah. And so they sort of bonded. And she, Jane is kind of like a virus. She wrote, you know, <laughs> she is not a virus. So when my daughter lived out of town, she would listen um, on the podcast. And so she feels like she knows Oh, Mark. that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Well, tell her congratulations I will. Thank for you. sure. Um, you know, look, you and I have talked about this many times over the years. Some of us gave stern warnings during these lockdowns. But the New York Times finally has to admit it's not like it's a big shock. But this was rather stark. Stark in the uh, paper over the weekend, the pandemic learning loss, the most damaging disruption in the history of American education. And Gene, you know this. And if you dig into these numbers, it's really startling and stark. And I don't really I wish I could offer a little bit more hope. I feel like there's a certain amount of these kids that were in high school at the time during the pandemic. I, I don't know what you do at this point. Right now they're in their 20s or their well, they, early 20s. They got to catch up in college or, you know, at, at some point, I, I think to one of the things in these numbers when you di- really dig into them is that poor kids, yeah. kids of color definitely w- were hit the worst. And where is the opportunity for them now? What are we doing to address this? I will give kudos. The Mur- Missouri legislature passed something this past year that's been going on. It's like a private tutoring that's paid for by the state that families can sign up for. And it took, like they announced it and it immediately took off. So that is one thing. But as you know, Mark, we support putting parents in control of that. So here was one program where they can get tutoring, but parents should be in control of where their kids go to school. We saw during the pandemic, if you compared all these different schools, if Catholic schools were a school district, they were the top performing. That's right. And it's because they stayed open and they found ways to work with with the situation and keep kids engaged. And so we hear, well, we can't use... You know, we can't use public money for a religious school. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about allowing parents to decide. So when you give parents the money that would normally go to a school or an institution and you say, hey, you get to decide. They decide if they want a Catholic education, a Christian education, a Muslim, a Jewish, a non-secular, whatever it is that they want. Now, it does turn out that a lot of the religious schools are more affordable than the non-sectarian, you know, but... Whatever works well for you. And a lot of these schools don't require that you be part of their religion. There are a lot of Catholic schools that take kids from all different Absolutely. backgrounds. Sure. The most important- I knew a lot of kids when I when I, was, I lived right across from a Catholic high school in Chicago before I moved here. And there were a lot of kids that I knew that were not Catholic that would go to because right. it was a better education. Right. And so, I mean, and we are a, a society that welcomes all different religions. There's nothing wrong with learning other people's religions and knowing people of different faiths and being more accepting of people of different faiths. So I I don't see anything wrong with that. should not be something that stops people from getting a good education. So what we would like to see, obviously, is parents have more control over that. But I, I also think that these programs, whether it's private tutoring 
or anything that allows parents to try to help their kids catch up, especially, I mean, kids with special needs who are forced to learn at home without in-person learning, the setbacks for them are just, it's hard to even measure. They're not part of a lot of what is being measured here. But I, I know some teachers who, who work in the special school district who are trying to do online classes for kids with special needs oh, and geez. said they basically, it was almost a waste of time. Yeah, unfortunately. Look, you know, I, I think when you when you look at that New York Times piece, one of the things that I want to point out is th- this is also the same pe- paper that was scaring the hell out of everyone and ripping on Ron DeSantis for opening the schools. Right. And we know what the teachers union did, shamefully, Randy Weingart. And I had Scott Jennings on the show yesterday. He reminded me, I should pull that audio, that he really laid her out on CNN a couple of months ago about all this, because there doesn't seem to be any culpability on the part of these educators who, who you know, it's on the record. You can go back a couple of years and see what they said and all the scare tactics, and then the teachers claiming that you're going to kill them, you know, holding picket signs, et cetera. So what I've been saying here is we've, we've, yeah, what did we do? This was all in an effort to not kill grandma. Well, grandma didn't die. Grandma probably wasn't going to die anyway because right. of the way that the numbers worked out. But we've held these kids back. And, and I think some of us said this at the time. Um, you're a grandma now, Gene, but I think a lot of grandparents were like, yeah, we want these kids to be in school, oh, right? Yes. Absolutely. I, there, I, myself, I'm much more interested in my kids' success than being afraid of them bringing me a virus. I mean, my right? grandchildren getting a good education, I would not allow a virus to keep the threat of, a, of some sort of virus allow me to come between them and a good education or a good educational experience. But here's where it gets frustrating for me, and I don't know what the answers are. I know that your group is involved in in school choice and some of these other Mm -hmm. efforts. And we would admit, I think, even here locally, we did not have it as bad as Los Angeles or San Francisco or Mm -hmm. Boston or Mm -hmm. New York, right, or Chicago. I mean, districts in Illinois. So we, you know, I'm I'm thankful that Rockwood in particular kind of got back going relatively quickly because my daughter had started kindergarten. But outside of that, there are these huge gaps now, and there's, you know, outside of the learning loss, there's social issues, et cetera. This is not going to be handled or managed by the federal government, nor necessarily should it be. However, it doesn't seem like anyone's really talking about this, like in in the national media, as far as being a presidential um, election campaign. So I don't know if we can even solve some of these problems because no one really wants to talk about them. And these kids are going to keep falling further behind. They are. And the other thing is teachers are leaving the profession. I mean, we, you know, we complain about the schools, but it's important to understand that this is not an indictment of teachers because teachers are basically have to do what they're told when it comes to their superintendents or their local mm. school boards. And the average teacher tenure has dropped, so we're losing experienced teachers. A lot of teachers go, they're there a year or two, and they're like, I, I can't deal with this. So we're losing, like, good talent because the, the, the teachers that are super talented are often able to find other opportunities. Sure. So. That's another issue. Teacher burnout, I, I know a lot of teachers, and the teacher burnout is a, is a huge issue. We have a lot of talented people out there. So there's a big problem. And I think what it is is we have to look at this system was set up almost 200 years ago, and it hasn't changed much. And the whole thing was designed to, to teach factory workers and soldiers, rule followers, to, to go by the bell. I mean, if you think about it, you, you know, you move here from, from here to there by the bell. Right. You eat when you're told you do right. all these things. Gosh. You know, we acted we always called it a prison when we were in school. But it isn't that different in terms of like you do what you're told and you have to fit into a box. And that doesn't work in the real world. Like critical thinking is the one thing employers say they want more than anything. Yes. And it's sort of frowned upon in K through 12 education. So we have to look at everything differently. Obviously, we want school choice. When you unleash school choice, you unleash educational entrepreneurs. So in Florida, where they have so much choice, they have micro schools, they have all these really interesting 
school models that are working for different people in rural areas, urban areas, suburban areas. If you can unleash that entrepreneurial spirit in our education system, you're going to find that the market is going to meet the demand of parents. And we're nowhere near that in Missouri. We have a long way to go. We're still stuck in this sort of you go where your zip code tells you to go. And we do have some great public schools. I don't want to discount that. But we but, you know, some people are lucky because they've chosen to move into those districts or, or they can afford they to. Can afford, they can or afford they have to. lived That's, in those. Right. But but right. I mean, if we're being honest, and, and again, I think in these better districts, the kids didn't fall as far behind, which would be anticipated. But that, that doesn't make it a national crisis. And, and I don't know what the answers are. I mean, I'm really sad about this because I it think looking sad. toward the future, we're, we're probably not even anticipating some of the issues that will result out of this. I think you're going to see a huge thing with college. I mean, colleges were already complaining that students weren't prepared. They're so desperate for students with a declining, you know, birth rate that they'll they'll take them. Yeah, but what will they do with them once they take them? Because this is something else that's been happening. It's been chronicled. I did a story a couple of weeks ago about this. They're dumbing down the standards, yeah. right? At, it, you know, where was the piece that was from? It was a traditional black college down in, um, I think, in Georgia. I'd have to think was about it this. Spelman? Might have been Anyway, I don't yeah, maybe it was Spelman. I think but it... the, the story was it was written by a professor that went there and realized that her colleagues were encouraging a dumbing down of the grades because she taught, I'm doing this from memory here, but she was someone who taught a particular class and she found out very quickly that the kids were not necessarily, you know, handling the material very well. Their grades were poor. So then the rest of the administration says, well, just lower it down to a curve. And she lowered it to the point where you know, they're not learning anymore. Right. Well, imagine where it is now. If we've got an entire generation of people who are behind, yeah, right. Uh, what's well, that what going mean. to do to college? So what, gonna, what will the college, right, that's my point. So these professors will come in and say, look, these kids are behind. We can't teach the, the way we have. And then maybe well, they don't get challenged as look much. At, look at the, these pro-Hamas protests. I mean, if you're critically thinking and you look at this information and you've learned about the Holocaust and anti-Semitism, you're not embracing Hamas. Right. Correct. You can support the Palestinians, but you're not going to embrace terrorism and anti-Semitism. You would think not. However, however, that's what's happening. And so it makes you want. And then when they when you have these undercover reporters ask these kids questions, they don't really know what's no, going know. on. They're being yeah. manipulated because they, they're not thinking critically. Yes. So I'm going to get an earful on the education stuff, I think, uh, in the next couple of days, because I think, you know, it's my son who is in Columbia as a teacher at Hickman right. High School. And this is only his second year. And he, he had you know, he's pretty young. So the kids last year in high school, sophomore year, they realized their teacher's not, you know, that old. He's 23 years old. So you challenge him. But I don't know if he's going to survive, you know, with the burnout I mean, and if I'd he goes to into a different direction. Just, I, I think it's really important that we talk to teachers and parents about the issues that are important to them. Well, I'll report back. Jean Evans, congratulations on the new grandbaby. She is the head of the Missouri Federation for Children. We'll catch you on the roundtable soon. Thanks for coming in. Have a Thank great you. Thanksgiving. Right, you too. Tuesday, pre-Thanksgiving Day edition of Sue's News is coming up in the next hour. we got Brian Kilmeade as well. He'll be with us right around 425. And then a little later in the show, an audio cut of the day. I was mentioning to Sue during the break, I actually have a ton of really good audio that I have not shared yet this afternoon, so we'll get to that. But I'm very confused, and um, I don't know what to think about the open AI thing. Sam Altman out. This was a big tech story yesterday. Everyone was covering it. Sue, I have no idea what's going on. I, no clue what's going on, I, which is, if we're being honest, that's typically my you know MO, right? I, I don't get it either, and I look forward to having Ian explain it to us. Ian Scher from CBS News, tech expert extraordinaire, is with us this afternoon. How are you, Ian? 
I, I'm doing okay, and you are not alone. I am also confused, so we're all confused together here. <laughs> so maybe just start with who who is Sam Altman? How is this story relevant to where we are? He quits the board. Actually, he doesn't quit the board. Kicks him out, right? And then he goes to Microsoft. So put the pieces together for us as best you can. Yes. Uh, so um, first off, point a uh, very important point, St. Louisan is is uh, Sam Altman, uh, one of the uh, many people to come out of St. Louis area that are uh, in the tech sector. But one of the fascinating things about this is obviously OpenAI is this huge, huge startup, right? They created ChatGPT, which they released last year. It became one of the fastest growing and most popular products ever. It has already started to revolutionize and upend a lot of industries, including my own. And so part of what has been really fascinating is that it started as a, uh, as a, as a not-for-profit. And their mission was to build safe and reliable and trustworthy and, you know, kind of good AI. In the last couple of years, Sam Altman, as the CEO, has turned it into a for-profit. Uh, part of the reason being that he needed to get a lot of investment dollars to build the computers to make Chat GPT work. Now they have billions and billions and billions of investment, including from Microsoft, and the board of directors seems to not like that they are in charge of one of the biggest startups in the world. And instead of doing what a lot of us thought maybe would make sense, which is just leave, <laughs> they decided to fire Sam Altman, throw the whole company into chaos, and surprise everyone last Friday afternoon. Now, it's my understanding, like, the people who worked at the company, they didn't want this to happen, right? No. Um, I mean, it's important to remember that a board of directors job, generally, at a foundation is to make sure that the money and the efforts are being done correctly. And in a for-profit company is to make sure shareholders right, and investors right. – are not poorly treated, right? That, yeah, they, that yeah. they have a voice at the table, essentially. So the, the thing is that the employees, what they want is somewhat minimal in all of this, right? The board seems to have acted without considering any of the employees. But part of what has happened is over the weekend, we saw Sam Altman is turning into, and we already saw this, you know, people who follow him like me had seen that he was starting to turn into this Steve Jobs-like icon figure, right? Obviously not Steve Jobs, but having that kind of presence and his name showing up all sorts of places and him going on Capitol Hill and speaking to the president and all these things. And so the very idea of firing him, uh, you know, unceremoniously on a Friday without what seems to be very much reason was just crazy. And I, I know a lot of reporters a lot of really good reporters at places like Bloomberg and the Wall Street Journal and New York Times and so on who have tried to figure out what happened, and they all seem to come up with the same answer, which is that the board was just unhappy with running a for-profit company and decided that the best answer was to kind of destroy it. <laughs> Ian, that is so crazy. Plus, as you said, he was trying to get money to get the computers to get it done. Yes, exactly. Well, not only that, he was doing it. I mean, I think it's really important to keep in mind, before last year, if you talked about who's in the lead of AI, right, 
you would talk about how Google's doing a lot of work, how uh, Amazon has their voice assistant, Apple's got their voice assistant, Facebook's been doing a lot. But that would be it, right? You wouldn't really hear much more than that. Come in, chat GPT, then Microsoft starts building it all into all their products. And suddenly Microsoft is considered one of the leaders in AI. And, you know, the whole industry, especially startups, start building their new apps on top of ChatGPT's technology. So this isn't just about, oh, a high-flying startups about to implode. Because, I mean, you know, days of our lives, drama is fun sometimes, right? Game of Thrones is a, mo- is a popular show for a reason, or was. Um, the real thing is that whoever's in charge here, we ha- you know, it's, it's about building a company that is going to be a hub for all sorts of startups, and is going to be a technology at the center of potentially, if you listen to the experts, a complete you know, change in the way our economy works. I have no idea still what's happening with all of this, but I do thank you sincerely from the bottom of my heart I for tried. coming on I and really trying. I really did. I could yeah. try again. But. No, no, it's, it's, not, it's not you. It's me. Believe me. Uh, but I do want to ask you about a couple other things while we have you on the phone. There were a couple of stories that I noticed in the last couple of weeks that I needed your opinion on. And one of them, I thought this was interesting. So the headline, this was a Washington Post story that said Google spent $26 billion to hide this phone setting from you. Now, they're talking about the setting for the default service search engine. Can you explain why that's important? Yeah, so the iPhone is one of the most popular products in the world, right? Another one of them. And the, uh, the, the web browser on it, it, you know, a lot of people use the default web browser, just like they use the default Maps app. And of course, Google, in their effort to be, you know, the most popular search engine, went to Apple and they said, hey, we'll pay you to have the default search engine be Google and not be Bing or Yahoo or whatever else. And Apple's like, sure, we'll take your money. Absolutely. And what has since happened is that Google has been in this agreement with Apple, and as Apple's iPhones have become really, really big, Google, of course, has grown along with it. And one of the concerns that now exists is that Google is paying so much money, right? $26 billion. That's not pocket change. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Or Right for for that spot as the top as the default search engine on Apple's products, and of course the debate that we're, that's happening, and the reason we know that number now is that there's a court case about how whether Google is running a monopoly, and part of that monopoly is they have enough money to pay Apple what basically whatever they can to stay the default search engine, and that keeps competition from going forward. That's the argument that comes out of the trial. Yeah, it's interesting because, look, um, there is not a better search engine than Google, in my opinion. And, you know, you get stuck with Bing on a computer like it happens here sometimes. Good Lord, you get different results. On the other hand, you know, you start to think about the monopoly aspect, you know, just as a user and the way that the content can be, you know, guided into there. But I get it. I get why they'd want to do it. Because they have it on Android, too. In my Android world, I just ask Google instead of Siri. I mean, so Google is everywhere. Well, not only that, part of this conversation that the, you know, this lawsuit that the government is bringing against Google is that it's default of Google, of Google in Android, right, which is basically everything that's not an iPhone, is also monopoly behavior, right, and basically yeah. shutting out anyone else 
from being able to be the default. And by the way, they require that as part of some of their partner agreements with hardware makers. So it, it goes a step further, right? It's not just because they're the best. I mean, obviously, I think very few people would debate whether or not it is the best search engine. But really what's important here and what the government is getting at is that Google is entrenching itself and it's creating such an environment that yep, no competition right. could come across. Yeah, I get that. All right. Hey, I got uh, one more topic, 60 seconds, because I think I heard last week, is there finally going to be something done about the inability for those of us who have iPhones to communicate when we're on Wi-Fi with Android users? When I sit at home, I've mentioned this before, I can't send Sue a picture because I have no cell service. And it's just one of those weird, it's like the blue bubble, green bubble thing, right. but but it also happens with pictures. But did, did I hear that they're going to solve that yeah. finally? Yeah, I saw some pigs flying outside just a minute ago. It's amazing. So what they're doing is that Apple has agreed to get involved with something called RCS, Rich Communication uh, Protocol, essentially. It's the next generation of SMS, which is the bad stuff we all use right now, mostly, if it's not you know, using a, a chat app. And it should be, among other things, allow you to do text messages with Android people on Wi-Fi, which will be great. Like a normal thing, right? It would be great because like even a normal person. Yes. sometimes, yes. and we mentioned this yesterday, like Sue had sent, or was it Fred? Somebody sent a no, group message. Me. Sue sends a group message to me and to Fred. We both have iPhones. I tried to respond, and it came through where, you know, sometimes there's just little hiccups that happen. I didn't even get it. Right, and yep. I didn't even know that you got it. Yeah. Ian, that's great information. Yep. I love uh, I love the segment here this afternoon. You have a great Thanksgiving, and we really appreciate you coming on here this afternoon. We'll talk soon. Always. You have a good Thanksgiving, too. Take care. That's Ian Shearer from CBS News, one of our good friends. He's only been with CBS for a short time, but thank God we have him to explain all these things, right? We got Sue's News coming up after Fox News at the top of the hour. Hang in there. Get more at 971talk.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 